If you weren't here last Sunday, we started a brand new series today. It's part two of Power to Change. And as Tammy mentioned, uh, the book really is a supplement or the sermons are a supplement to the book, however you wanna see it. Um, obviously, some of the concepts have come from the book. I have, th- this is a topic that I am deeply, deeply, deeply uh, passionate about, um, that I have a strong conviction over because at the end of the day, we're all wanting, hopefully, to be more healthy, more whole, more loving, more forgiving, uh, contributing on a, on a better scale, um, in some cases more creative, like, like we are wanting to change. Hopefully you wanna be the best version of who God has actually created you to be. Last week, uh, we did ask that question of whether or not we actually want to change because the reality is that there is work involved and the key verse that we took a look at, which we'll probably come back to from time to time over the years, Philippians 2.13, where it simply says, and, and I think this is a, I think it's okay for us to actually see this as a type of a promise. Even though this was written to a group of people at a particular time, I think that throughout scripture, this would be a a theological truth. This is something that we can be confident about if we are following Jesus, if we're in a relationship with Jesus. Philippians 2.13, God is working in you. He is, he's trying at least. To the extent that we will allow him, God is working in you giving you the desire and the power. We, we, might, we might numb that sense, we might distract that sense, but he's actually giving us both the desire and the power to do what pleases him. In other words, we're trying to get onto God's agenda. Let me be clear. This is not a way for us to manipulate God into giving us what we want and, and where he's kind of the servant and we're the master. No, no, we're trying to get onto his agenda where, where, where we're trying to discern his desires and and access his power to actually do what pleases him. And I believe that regardless of the circumstances, as we live like that, if that's the mindset that we live with, there is a level of supernatural, in spite of the circumstances, peace, joy, patience, gentleness, kindness, there is an even greater sense of belonging, fulfillment. It is worth trying to discern the work that God is trying to do in us. Now, I am so aware that every person sitting here or listening to this or watching this has come from a different background, and in many cases, you have had enormous obstacles, enormous challenges. In some cases, you have genuinely, like legitimately been the victim of abuse, of mistreatment, of, of all, in some cases, heinous, horrible, traumatic stuff, in some cases, criminal stuff. I'm very aware and with the deepest of compassion, like seriously, there's empathy, there's compassion here. I'm so challenged by a statement of Ern McManus's that I read a little while ago where it says, it may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. So what happened to you or where you're finding yourself it might not be your fault. Like you might genuinely be in a, in a space in life or in a situation in life that is, that, that it's not because of the choices that you made, but it is our responsibility in terms of what we're gonna do about it, how we're going to respond to it, whether or not we will allow God to do the work that he's trying to do in us. And, and that's why you cannot compare to somebody else because someone else has a different journey. Someone else has had different circumstances. Someone else has had different obstacles or privileges. And, and the reality is we don't know. We don't know the inner workings. We don't know. It may not be your fault, but it is your responsibility. And I believe that God wants to give us the power to change, the power to grow and to mature and to flourish, to flourish, to flourish. 
regardless of circumstances. What I'm wanting to do today, it's still part of the series, but I'm, but I'm kind of doubling it up as it's just a, a, a bit of a light introduction to a bit of our vision for this year. Some of the stuff that we feel really burdened about and that, and that we're wanting to, to give focused attention to. And I want you to begin off with a sermon, uh, sorry, with a sermon, with a scripture that, that has just been resonating with me for a long time. It was, it was some time last year that Tammy actually did a little sort of transition moment on the stage and she made reference to this passage and it just, it struck me immediately and, and it just kept marinating and, and the roots of it kind of going down. You know what it's like when you hear a thought or you read a particular scripture, maybe you've read it a hundred times, but in that moment it grabs your attention and, and then it doesn't, it doesn't leave you. It just keeps growing and developing. And so this is the scripture that, that at least as a leadership, we are praying for this year and we're praying this for you. Very well-known passage if you are familiar with the Bible. Ephesians 3 verse 20 and the New Living Translation puts it this way. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. All glory to God who is able. We were just singing that God is able. It's one thing to sing it, it's another thing to believe it. It's one thing to sing it, it's another thing to ask God to help us do whatever we can to to align with him so so that we can see him do what only he can do. He is able. And then don't miss this part, through his mighty power at work within us. So again, there's a partnership. He's wanting to do a work in us, a mighty, powerful work in us to accomplish infinitely more. Well, infinitely more than what? Then we might even ask or think. So like whatever we think is is possible that God can do even more. Then verse 21 goes on to say, glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever, amen. This is the phrase that stood stood out to me. Even though it wasn't read this way and even though you won't find find this particular word in any English translation that I'm aware of, it was simply this idea of even more. To actually trust God for even more. Now I will clarify that because again, this isn't a way for us to to manipulate God. God isn't the genie in the bottle, but for us to trust God for even more life, for even more intimacy with Him, for for even greater strength and vitality in our relationships, for even more in terms of the value that we add at school or at work or in our family, for even more in terms of the impact that we can actually have on our community, where we don't settle, where we don't become complacent. We can be content but not complacent. Even more. The New International Version uses the word immeasurably. Immeasurably more. Like we can't measure it. So NLT, they translated infinitely. NIV, immeasurably. The New King James Version says exceedingly abundantly. It's like, if you don't get this, it is over, like it's it's exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask. Or imagine, he is able. Put another way, nothing is impossible for God. This is assuming that it's lining up with God's will. What, what is impossible for God, in a sense, if you want to put it this way, is forcing us to do something that we're not willing to do. He won't do that. That is out of his nature. So nothing is impossible for God that is consistent with his nature. And we are going to, in, in different ways, hopefully throughout this year, and we'll be praying into this tonight as well, both on a personal level and on a communal level. God, help us to discern your will and to trust you for even more. For even 
more. Why would we want the power to change if we're not actually going to trust God for more? Now, now, in case you come from a certain background where this sounds like a certain type of theology, this is not prosperity theology. This is not if you just believe it hard enough, you can get that car you want, or you can, or you can uh, you know, have that breakthrough in winning the lottery. This isn't that, okay? I'm talking, about, I'm talking about where we are aligning ourselves with God and trusting Him for even more according to His will and to His purpose. Where you shift from just surviving at school to, to, to regardless of the challenges and the circumstances, God... Whether anyone else sees it this way or not, I'm gonna trust you to be an even greater blessing at school this year. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, and when I fail, I'm gonna own it, I'm gonna apologize, but I'm, I am determined. Like, you don't have to even pray about this. God wants you to be a blessing at school. Yeah. I mean, you can pray about it, but you don't have to wait for him to thunder from heaven. I want you to be a blessing in school. You don't have to ask God, does he or doesn't he want you to love well at home or to, or to be salt and light at work or to, or to maybe, resp- like, like there, there are areas of compassion that you might become aware of where sometimes we have to pray, sometimes we just have to obey. Like, we, like you just know. Yeah. I've got, that I can, God, I'm gonna risk it even more. Here are the big three. We've mentioned this a little bit over the, the last six months, but kind of the big three areas that we are focusing on this year and probably for many years to come, it's always been a part of what we want to achieve, obviously, but we're trying to give language to it and we're wanting to make sure that it is crystal clear that we want to, we're going to trust God for even more in these three areas. We're going to invite you to participate in these three areas. We're going to challenge you to respond to these three areas. And they are simply formation, generations, and compassion. Formation, generations, and compassion. Let's take a look very quickly at formation. This isn't in the notes, but if you want to write this down for the two or three of you that might be taking notes, here is a quick and easy definition of what formation is. It is being formed by the love of God, being formed, being formed by the love of God. That's important. And we'll unpack this in the weeks ahead, but it's actually being formed. We are changed by his love. We are being formed by the love of God into the image of Jesus. So not just being you know, my true self as, as I define it, but actually trying to be formed into the best version of who he's made me to be, and that will reflect him well. Being formed by the love of God into the image of Jesus for the sake of others. Christianity. Okay, everybody pay attention just for a moment, especially if you've been a Christian for longer than a week. Christianity is not a privatized, personalized, self-centered religion. There is an enormous amount of personal responsibility and there is an enormous amount of, 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 of our personal relationship with God which bears fruit in other areas, but, it's, but it is not private and it's not selfish. There are parts that are private, especially when I need to check my heart and make sure that I'm not just doing things for other people to, to see me. This is what Jesus spoke about in Matthew 6. So when I pray, when I fast, when I give, l- let me make sure that my motive is not to be seen by others and rewarded by others, but... So, so there, there are areas, there are times where there needs to be a level of privacy so that our hearts are staying focused. But, but we're not meant to be isolated. This is not just bless me, change me, do what I want you to do for me. And especially as a group of Christians, it is meant to be for others. Like, like in addition to whatever God wants to do in us, he wants to do stuff through us. Yeah. And so we have to acknowledge that there will be a tension 
in our walk with God, a tension between, between wanting to be loved by God and formed by God, which is important and is healthy, but also wanting to be obedient. There is a level of health, in my opinion, that is impossible to experience outside of participating in God's will. Can I say that again for the cheap seats? There is a level of health, growth, maturity, vitality that is impossible to experience outside of partnering with God according to His will and according to our, our gifts and limits and opportunities, partnering with Him to actually invest in stuff that's gonna last for eternity. That doesn't mean that you can't be saved, doesn't mean that you won't spend eternity with Jesus, but I'm saying it's impossible to experience the fullness of his plan, his maturity, if we're just living self-centered life. So it's being formed by the love of God into the image of Jesus for the sake of others. The goal of formation is what you see on the wall in the cafe and on the back of some people's shirts and sweaters. It is to be with Jesus. This is the goal, to be with Jesus, to become like Jesus, to do what Jesus did or what Jesus would do if he were you. If he were a 13-year-old girl at school, if he were a 48-year-old boss, if he were a director of a company, if he were uh, clean, you know, cleaning in a, in a, in a, in a certain home or, or environment, if he were you, if he had your life, your circumstances, your responsibilities, what would he do? Those are the goals. The fruit of formation is that we will be, which is to be loved by God, and the order matters massively. This order matters. So to be with Jesus is to be loved by God. We let God love us into people of love, is the way John Markham puts it. We let God love us into people of love. Put another way, as a general rule, psychologists would agree with this, theologians would agree with this, we become more loving by experiencing love, not by hearing about it in a lecture or reading it in a book. So when we talk about being with him and being loved by him, it's actually positioning ourselves. So we can't make that happen, but we, what we can take responsibility for is positioning ourselves. In other words, it's the way we spend time with God. It's the way we order our lives. It's, the, it's, it's what we fill our minds on for us to actually be loved by Jesus. We want God to love us into people of love. Another fruit is that we will become like Jesus. In other words, we love God. We, love him. we allow him to form our character to, to, for the fruit of the spirit to, again, we're ordering our lives so that we are becoming people of love and joy and peace and patience and kindness. And the fruit of doing what Jesus would do is that we're gonna love people. So we, love, we allow God to love us, we love, we love God back, but also we love people. It has been argued that it is impossible to, to love God and not love people. Another statement I heard many years ago, which might be pushing it a little bit, maybe it's extreme, but certainly got my attention, is that you only love God as the, much as the person you love the least. I know, right? Sounded a lot more edgy in my 20s. Now I'm like, whoo, that's hectic. Now that I'm in my 30s. Okay, okay, take it easy. So the goal of formation, the fruit of formation, here are the keys to formation. If you wanna know the principles, like, like how, do we, how? how do we allow God to form us? We, we, we did a series on this at the beginning of last year which you can go back to, but it's important that we have a theory of how we grow because we are all adapting a way of life whether it's conscious or not. 
whether it's intentional or not. We're all being formed or deformed, right? I mean, we just are. We're being formed or deformed. I, I agree with this theory of how we, we counterform our lives towards who God is trying to form us into. There should be an image on the screen with a triangle. Some have called it the triangle of transformation. And you'll see in the middle is, the, is just, just the Holy Spirit, which, which is just a way of saying the Holy Spirit uses these things, right? So he uses truth. So, so, so where we change the narratives, where we allow our worldviews to be surrendered to and submitted to, to God's view of us, to God's view of the world, to God's view of purpose, to God's view of what matters. Truth matters. We are feeding our minds on stuff all the time and what we pay attention to, so attention leads to formation. So that's why we shouldn't be surprised if we are consuming five, six, seven, eight hours of garbage attention six, seven days a week and then wondering why maybe one hour a week isn't overriding that. It's what we focus our minds on. Practices, the idea that the things we do do something to us. The things we do, do something to us. It's not just intentions, it's actions. We, that's why we, we'll keep on talking about ordering our lives around loving Jesus, ordering our lives around being, becoming, and doing. And that doesn't mean we always feel like it. So, so, so I, I may commit to ordering my life around doing certain things that I think Jesus would do. It doesn't mean I'm always gonna wake up and feel like that. This might horribly offend some of you, and I'm sorry in advance. But I can't say that I would, that I wake up every Sunday morning like, boom, let's go, baby. <laughs> Sunday, in, fact, in fact, most Sunday mornings, I feel pretty smashed. But I, obviously, this is something I feel like God wants, wants me to do. And I mean, this is just a very obvious example, but there's several things where I'm like, I, I need to pre-decide. I'm going to commit to certain things because certain practices, certain habits, the things I do, do something to me. How I spend time with God in the morning, how I wrap it up at the end of the day, what I'm reading, what I'm listening to. The things I do, do something to me. Which is why, by the way, we have changed for now, for this season, how we do life groups where, where last year, all our primary goal, everything else was gravy. Our primary goal was to get every person that is involved in a life group, which we want you to be in, to go through two practices the whole year. It takes four weeks to get through a practice, but we wanted to focus on it the whole year. So last year we focused on prayer, the first half of the year, and then trying to get into a rhythm, thank you, thank you, trying to get into like a rhythm, a rhythm of fasting once a week, which if you haven't done the course is gonna sound horrific, but, but, but watch, like work through the curriculum. Who, who was inspired like they've never been inspired before to, to want to fast, to want to, to want to remove distractions, to want to actually pay attention, but, but it's a practice. Again, you're, 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 you're an outlier if you wake up on a Wednesday morning like, oh, I'm gonna fast today. Gonna be hungry, might be a little bit irritable. Let's go, like, like you're probably a little bit weird. But for those of you that have been sticking with it, you actually may start looking forward to it, but not because it was first attractive. It's because you committed to a practice because the things we do do something to us. And then community. been said so many different ways, both from the secular world, the Christian world. We will become who we give influence in our lives to, who we, who we hang out with the most, whose, whose views we allow to 
to lead us and influence us and form us and shape us. We, there is, it is so important that we're able to be with people and love people and connect with people that don't think the same way and, and, don't, and don't agree with everything. But we need people where there is an encouragement element, where there is an iron sharpening iron element, where there is a level of accountability to it. We need community. These are some things that we will just keep reminding ourselves of and giving opportunities to as we go along. So, for example, pretty obviously, we're not just saying this is something that's a good idea. This is one of the reasons why life groups are a part of our vision. It's a part of our, it's a part of how we're trying to facilitate this happening. This isn't a guarantee. You, you may go to a life group and not experience community. You may find it in a team. You may find it having met you know, some other Christians, but the goal for us is community. Now, having said that, this might sound very counter, like I'm contradicting myself. Having said that, we're not doing life groups this term, which I'm realizing now sounds really dumb after what I've just said. However, stick with me, stick with me. What we are wanting to do is create even more opportunity for gathering, that's one of our goals in this, but secondly, secondly, Again, we're coming back to the truth part of the triangle. People need teaching. We need truth. We, we need to systematically work through stuff, but ideally, it's probably 10 times as effective if it's done in community, and that's why we're running courses. For the, guys, it's two months. It's eight weeks of your life. Unless you're doing freedom, well, then it's a little bit more, but it's worth it. Anyone done freedom? Okay. It's worth it. So, so we are, in, like, can I just pass to you for a moment? Please. You should have a flipping good excuse if you don't sign up for a course for the month of February and March. Or at least just own it if you're just not interested. That's okay too. God loves you. I'll even try to love you. That's, that's, that, that's not it, okay? I, we want something, for, can, can I be honest with you? This, is take, this, this requires a lot more of us. This isn't like the easy way for us. This requires a lot more of us, but I am so deep. With, with each of these courses, we want people that are new to following Jesus to, to be equipped, that they don't struggle for the next five or six or 20 years to figure out what it means to, we wanna create that space. Freedom, if you've, if you've never done it or you haven't done something similar to this at another church and you can scan your code, your, your phone over the QR code and see little descriptions of each of these things, but freedom is something that, quite literally is focusing on helping people deal with their pasts so that we can move into our future. Where, where if there are things that need to be healed, we allow God to heal it. If there are people we need to forgive, if we forgive. We, we, we work on the order. We understand the order. We, we, we're not trying to earn his approval. We already love, so God, what, is, what are the implications of that? And we end it off with what we call an encounter, which, which is just something that's very hard to explain in the natural but it's where we try and create space for people to meet with God and to, so you've had your mind that's been challenged and renewed and it's been, like God's been working, he's been turning the soil and then at the encounter, we trust him to do the part that only he can do. And we pray with you and you pray with us and, and we trust God for a breakthrough. Healthy relationships, I've beat this drum many times, I'll keep beating it. There's, I'm not sure that there's anything if there's any area in our lives where God wants us to bear more fruit and, and grow more than in relationships. And yet, way too often, your average Christian handles relationships just like 
someone that's not in a relationship with God. Where it's survival of the fittest and where it's you hurt me, I hurt you more and, and, where, we, and where there's like false peace or we, or we avoid conflict or whatever. They, no, no, we, we, we can't just inspire you to want to have good relationships. We want to equip you. And so, again, space is limited. We can only take 100 people. It's eight weeks of your life, 300 rand. You can pay it off if you need to. That's, that's literally the cost of the book. That's it. But again, in addition to that, we're trying to create opportunities where, you'll, where you're not going to do this alone. You're going to also be connecting with other people, meeting other people. That you'll be talking around a table to the extent that you're comfortable talking. Don't, be pa- don't like, panic. Like, and we, okay, causes. <laughs> Then, straight after Easter, we'll be back into life groups and we'll be tackling the next practice. And by the way, if you're a leader, a life group leader, or someone that is interested in starting a group with a couple of friends, maybe you have three or four friends that you want to do a practice with, speak to us. We're going to start working through the practice with you around the middle of February, the middle or the end of Feb. Maybe the very end of Feb. Because, again, very deliberately, we don't want our leaders or facilitators taking you somewhere that they're not going themselves. We're trying to help you experience something that they're not experiencing themselves. And so far, in my opinion, it has only been healthy, life-giving, fruitful. Last year, as, as together as leaders in small groups, we worked through the practice of prayer and the practice of fasting. And then, by the way, that's also a way for us to ensure that, the, that our leaders are also not living isolated lives where they're just trying to keep it together for the group, but, but who do they talk to? And then a the whole bunch of personal practices which we'll talk about in another session. Right, so the, the first of the big three is formation. The second is generations. Children are wet cement. And for the most part, how that cement dries is the foundation that they build their lives on for the next, so the first seven, eight, nine, ten years, I mean, it's, it's just, our influence starts decreasing at 11, 12, etc. So let's, let's just look at the first ten years, is the foundation that for the most part, the next 60 or 70 years gets built on. And I have, I have sat with, I remember, I think the first time I realized this, I was in my 20s, and at the time I was still involved, I was working a lot with, with kids, with teenagers, etc. I remember talking, sitting across my desk from a lady who I think was in her 70s or close to 80 at the time. And it suddenly struck me the way that she's handling these insecurities, how easy she is to offend, how she feels about her family and, and just how she's processing stuff. I was like, I, it, it just suddenly hit me. She's no different to a struggling 16-year-old. And it just made me realize age doesn't mature people. I mean, there's a whole bunch that goes into it. But the foundation matters. The vast majority, and I've heard different figures being thrown around over the years, but the vast majority, something like 80 or 90% of people that are serving God for, the, for like the rest of their lives would have had some kind of foundation laid before 18, mostly before like 10, like 12, 10. So it matters. Can one person make a difference in the life of a young person? I'm gonna say young person because I'm thinking of preschoolers, primary schoolers, high schoolers? The answer is a echoing, resounding yes. The Barna Group, which is probably the most highly respected Christian research group 
in the Western world did a whole bunch of, of research. In fact, a lot of it they revealed in a book called Faithful Exiles, which was excellent all, all by itself. But they reported that only 10% of young people that grew up in church, so listen to these stats, right? So, so if, if let's say 80% of, 80 or 90% of people that are serving God in the adult church probably you know, were affected when they were younger, of those that are still serving God that grew up in church, only 10%, of what they would consider to be resilient disciples. These aren't your next Mother Teresa's or Martin Luther King Jr. These are just people that God's central, we wanna please him, his, his opinion, his will matters. Of those that did grow up in church, only 10% would have what they call a resiliency in their faith with God. Now, that's not the number I want you to focus on. This is the number I want you to focus on. Nearly 80% of those that are still serving God Nearly 80% reported that when growing up, they had a close personal relationship with an adult in their church. Ten percent of those that grow up in church will go on to be what they consider resilient disciples. And of that ten percent, eight out of ten are giving the credit to a meaningful relationship with an adult. We have wonderful children and teenagers serving in our next-gen ministries. We have almost no adults serving in our next-gen ministries. So as a leader, like if, I'm a, if, this, if God has called me to pastor our church, our community, surely it should matter to me that I find ways not to manipulate, not to, not to guilt or shame people, but to make you aware that you really can make a difference as an adult, young adult, what I mean is we, we can't just have 12-year-olds helping love and serve three-year-olds, four-year-olds, five-year-olds. We can't just have 14, 15, 16-year-olds only that are serving 19, 11, 12, 13. You get what I'm saying, right? People need a relationship with an adult. That doesn't mean that you have to be contacting them three days a week or, or pouring you know, your whole life out into them but we are loved into loving Jesus. Very few kids that grow up are gonna remember a lesson taught, a song sung, the vision statement of legacy kids, but they will remember how they felt. They will remember whether or not they were safe, whether or not they could be honest, whether or not they could ask questions, whether or not it just looked like someone like, was happy to see them. Yeah. And by the way, just as a side note, not only would we have many kids in our community that are coming from horribly broken, dysfunctional homes. We would have kids, we've had kids come because we always wanna contact their parents to make sure that they have permission to be here and that there's a contact person that we can get hold of. We have phoned parents, where I forget the age, it could be a six, seven, eight-year-old, who, oh, oh, I'm in the Eastern Cape. Yeah, sure, like whatever. In other words, there's no adult at home. I'm just saying, we need adults. If you hear nothing else, hear this. Research has shown that one of the distinguishing marks of young people who continue in their church participation as adults was that they had developed a warm and trusting relationship with one adult in the church other than their own parents. I promise you, 
it is not my intention to guilt or manipulate people into getting involved, because that won't last. Like, I know that. I've been around long enough. I've done this long enough to know that that, 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 that will not last. So if that's what you're feeling, I, I'm giving you permission to fan it off. But I do want you to pay attention if there's any part of you that says, I think I need to find out some more. You can come to the training next Saturday morning. If nothing else, just commit to coming to the training. Hear a little bit more. See a little bit more about what's going on. Ask a bunch of questions. But there are many ways that people can get involved. You don't have to be the clown of the party. You don't have to be, uh, who was that? Barney. You don't have to be Barney. You know? <laughs> Sorry, our kids were young a long time ago. So there are ways to serve practically, like whether it's, whether it's family hosting. So you just, you just help manage the check-in system, but you do it with warmth and kindness and, and care. Or maybe it's serving in the production area, or maybe it is in helping with security on a Friday afternoon. We've started Novo Junior on a Friday afternoon for, because, again, we've seen a gap with our senior primary kids. We want there to be no gaps from 2 to 25. Yeah. So, so we'll keep tackling each gap as we can. So maybe you want to get involved on a Friday afternoon serving senior primary aged children, but it could literally just be security, or maybe maybe you're willing to help host some of our teenagers after youth on a Friday night. Who knows? Who knows what one simple connection with someone can be and the impact that they can have on them? On a more personal level, this would be where maybe you help run a small group or something like that, which isn't as intimidating as what it sounds. You, everything's given to you. You can, you can figure your way out. Just so you know, you do have to do police checks. So if you're dodgy, we, we, we boot you out. Just so, uh, we are talking about, you know, the vulnerable and underage children. And obviously we want you to care about kids and to adjust. We have very, very, very clear protocols and cameras everywhere. But... How you can connect, if you, want to, if you want to actually connect relationally, again, that could either be to committing to something consistent, like let's say you help lift a group of teens home every Friday night, that's one way to connect with them. Or maybe it's to help run a small group every second week for one service. Because again, we, don't, we, we want people to be able to serve one, attend one. Or maybe it's on a Friday afternoon or Friday evening so that you don't miss church. And then, of course, there would be people that are actually gifted to and want to help with presenting, so teaching, worship, hosting the service from up front. Or maybe you just want to try it out once often, so maybe you want to take leave and help serve at, the, at this year's holiday club. If you were here on Thanksgiving Sunday, you would have heard some of the testimonies. It sounded like the adult serving were more impacted, in, perhaps, than the kids. Like, anyway. We'll also provide a serve day opportunity on Monday. I think it's the 17th of June. Because Sunday is a, a public holiday, so you'll have a free day on the Monday. And we're, we're going to give you the opportunity to help set up for holiday clubs. So maybe you're saying, I can't take a week's leave, but, but you can use your public holiday, which you would have been working on anyway. Like, let's redeem it for something that matters and help serve. Okay, I've got to move on. Lastly is compassion. Formation, generations, Compassion. And this is probably the area that we have the most work to do where we are wanting to create as many opportunities for as many different types of people and your availability and what you have to offer as possible. And for the most part, to begin with, we are, we are partnering with organizations. We have several phenomenal 
organizations in our immediate vicinity that need help. I don't, I don't know why, we're sometimes, why the church is sometimes tempted to want to reinvent the wheel and start something from scratch and it has to have their name and their label on it. No, no, we just want to love Cape Town. We just want to love Milnerton. We, we have a few homes. Some of them come to our church every single week. We have kids that come every single week. That why wouldn't we want to serve them better? There's Peace Home just up the road, which again, all kinds of stories in, ter- in terms of the types of urgent rescue that they are involved with. And so there are ways that we want to try and help serve. For the most part, to begin with, it's gonna be organic. So just so you know, all roads lead to the QR code and the connect card or the connect area. So, so for example, if you wanna get involved in legacy kids, which is what we're calling this going forward, is, is literally to scan the QR code and to go to the connect card and to tick the legacy cares box. And then we'll get back to you and answer as many questions as we can. But here are some examples. If I think of one of the homes in our community that we have been connected to for years and, and who we serve on a regular basis, they need physiotherapists, occupational therapists, counselors, psychologists. I didn't realize this, but the state, which is, which is very hard to begin with, it's very hard for them to even Again, there are many reasons why these children have challenges, and, and so the state at best, if they can jump through enough hoops, can get some of this care for some of their children up to the age of 12. After the age of 12, there's no more physiotherapy, no more occupational therapy, no, no more nothing. So, so I'm just throwing it out there. Maybe this is something that you have access to, maybe you are trained in this way, or maybe you say, I wanna help sponsor something. Like, that's, just, that's just an example. But if you are interested in helping out, we, we, are, we are very much wanting to create opportunities, and there are, there are opportunities right now for people to get involved in helping tutor children that are struggling in primary school. And if you don't have, if, if, if there's no bridge, if there's no one that's, that thinks you're worth it, you're worth spending an hour with a week to work on maths or reading or whatever. The, so, so again, maybe you're saying, oh, I've got flexibility, I can help out once a week, one afternoon a week, or two afternoons a week, whatever the case is, or maybe you're saying, look, I'd love to help out, but I'm only free on the weekend, so I could do it on a Saturday morning. Again, just put your name down, we'll get hold of you. And then there are a bunch of other things from, from second chances to food parcels. We, we'll keep you informed with all of these things, but here is a key idea. We want, we want as much as possible for people to do for one what we wish we could do for all. Do for one what you wish you could do for all. Of course you wanna change you want, to, you want to rescue everyone and resolve everything and change the system, which needs to be, so, don't even get me on a tangent about our systems. But, but we can't, so, so we can't change that, but God, where do you want us to get involved? How can I do for one what I wish I could do for all? And here's the closing passage. Luke, you can join me wherever you are. I saw you a moment ago. In fact, you can stand up with us. Because if, if, if you miss this, if you don't understand this, this is something that freedom helps you understand, by the way, but if you don't understand this, if you don't get this order right of the being before becoming and doing, then everything I've spoken about can just sound like a, like a bunch of do-gooding stuff. It can sound like, like a way to, to feel better about yourself or a way to earn your way to God. And I'm saying, no, no, that order is all wrong. It has to start with the love of God. If we're not gonna allow God to love us into people of love, we are not going to be formed. We're not going to, 
We, so when it comes to generations, we will reproduce who we are. I want healthy people, not perfect people, healthy people reproducing who they are. And same thing with compassion. You can do good for someone, but, but why not let it be for the right reason and, and where you are not connected to the outcome? Because if you've ever been involved in compassion issues, compassion opportunities, you will know that for the most part, you don't, see, you don't get to see the return on your investment. But if, but if the order's right, we're not attached to the outcome. That, that's in God's hand. That's, that's up to that person. I'm called to love. I'm called to be kind. I'm called to be generous. I'm called to, to do what I can. That's between them and God what they, what they do with it. So if our key verse for the year is that we're going to trust God for infinitely more, immeasurably more, exceedingly and abundantly above all, even more, then I want to take you back to two verses before that verse. Ephesians 3 verse 18. It says, may you have the power to understand as all God's people should. How wide, how long, how high, and how deep His love is. May you experience, may you experience the love of Christ. Though, you know what? That's actually too great to fully understand. Thanks, Paul. Because it's not a mental thing. You don't mentalize yourself. You don't, this isn't an IQ thing. This is an experience thing. And he's not anti-intellect, by the way, but he's saying that's not enough. We have to, ex- we have to position ourselves to experience his love. Don't miss the, the last sentence. Then, so as we allow ourselves to experience his love, then you will be made complete with all fullness of life and power that comes from God. You will be able to change. You will be formed. You'll be able to walk in his will. You will be, you'll become, you will do. As we experience 